Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of JM Rewind. JM Rewind gives us a chance to check out some of the recent interviews we've had on JM and the AM. Well, a couple of weeks ago, Danielle Renoff, author of the brand new cookbook, Peas, Love, and Carrots, was with us. Go to artscroll.com and enjoy an incredible book. But first, enjoy this interview on JM Rewind at the Nahum Siegel Network. JM and the AM. Well, as I indicated, ever since we announced a couple of weeks back, that our special guest on this Tuesday morning would be Danielle Renoff. My, oh my, did we discover just how popular she is. And this morning, we get an opportunity to uh, speak with her. She's in Jerusalem. We'll be, uh, we are here in our New York City studios, and we get to talk about the brand new Peas, Love, and Carrots cookbook. Danielle Renoff is the blogger and influencer behind the popular brand and website Peas, Love, and Carrots. It's N, letter N, carrots.com, an Instagram account at Peas, Love, N, Carrots. From her kitchen in Israel, she creates delicious and approachable recipes, lifestyle tips and hacks, and shares all things motherhood and family related, but mostly it's food, half Moroccan, and half Ashkenaz, Danielle was born and raised in Long Island. Soon after their wedding, she and her husband, Ellie, moved to Israel, where they've lived with their children ever since. Danielle Renoff, a pleasure to welcome you to JM in the AM. Hello, hello. Thank you so much for having me. A pleasure. It's an honor to be here. I appreciate that. You know, like I said, I'm doing this for over three and a half decades, but there's some who've told me over the last couple of weeks that now I have finally arrived because I get an opportunity. <laughs> I get an opportunity to have a full-length conversation with you, one of the most popular people around. So thanks for joining us. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow, wait, three and a half decades? Three and well, third I'm about to celebrate my thirty-seventh anniversary on Era of Rosh Hashanah, yeah. Wow! Wow! Mazel I appreciate really that. Excited. Sounds like a you look. Need to interview yourself. <laughs> you would, have to your own story. That You're would be cool. that. That would be an idea. I'd probably stump myself on half the questions. When when did you realize that you're a good cook? Um. Well, I first knew that my mother and my grandmother were good cooks, and um, I don't think I ever really like thought. Thought to myself like, oh, you're 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 a wonderful cook, Danielle. Good job. You know, and it never happened like that. But I knew I had good taste in food because I really like to eat. Um, and then I would go home and you know I would either recreate dishes that I had in restaurants or you know achieve flavors that I wanted to achieve, or try to recreate my mother's and my grandmother's dishes, and they tasted how I remembered in my head. So I thought they must be okay. Even with all the influencers, or I should say all the influencing and all the followers that you have out there, you still must be, I don't want to say shocked, that wouldn't be fair, but you must be elated that tens of thousands of people decided to pre-order this book, not having a clue, frankly, I don't think, aside from what maybe you previewed for your followers, not having a clue what would be included. You know what? I think shock is the right word because, <laughs> you know, like, because you're right. It is shocking because I'm sure you feel this way. And I, I actually said this to this morning on my Instagram that, you know, you put your heart and soul into something. And anybody that ever creates anything, whether it's a product, an outfit, a business, a company, you know, you start out with this tiny little idea 
And for me, the idea wasn't even business oriented. It wasn't even to sell anything. It was just to share a hobby and a passion. Right. And then it grows and grows and grows. And even though I'm along the journey, you know, I'm, I'm there for the journey. And I realized that, it, you know, moving up to different levels and different things and different opportunities, you know, when you actually, for the first time, have a physical product and you get that into the hands of people everywhere and First of all, they actually are willing to go out and take the chance and purchase that book. And then they actually like the book. It's, it is shocking because like you didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to write a book cookbook <laughs> and it's going to be a bestseller and it's going to be amazing. And it's going to be, this. you woke up and like, I just want to share my dinner with you. And then it turns into this and you're like, holy moly, Hashem, thank you. This is amazing. How long ago was there an initial discussion between you and Art Scroll about a book like this? Um, okay, so we, we started discussing it about a year before I signed the contract, but I had been through a lot and it wasn't the right time for me and I couldn't like get my thoughts in order and I just couldn't focus. And like I kept saying, forget it. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And then over Pesach, my parents came to Israel and my husband and my brothers were here. And they were like, Danielle, write the book. It's going to be so good for you. Just write the book. You'll focus. And I was I was really against it because I love, love my platform. I love it because my platform is free. Right. Nobody has to pay anything. I'm like, I'm not a socialist, except that I love being able to share what I'm just making my kids for dinner anyway and not having to charge you for it. Like, I'm a mom. You're a mom. I don't know what to make. You don't know what to make. Actually, I do know what to make. So let me tell you what I'm making. And maybe it can help you. And I was like, why would I make you go out and spend money on a book when you could have access to the recipes on Instagram, the internet? You don't even need me. Just type something in in Google. And I really put it out there. And I got so much feedback from people. You know, because I create recipes, I can't follow a recipe. It's actually very difficult for me. Interesting. And I don't, I, I can't use cookbooks because I just, I, I cook and I just go and I, it's what I'm in the mood for. And I can't be told what to do in general in life anyway. So, you know, I can't follow a recipe. <laughs> it's, too, it's too much for me. And, um, and, you know, I put it out there and people said, but we really don't like cooking off our books. We don't like searching. There's no search on Instagram. We don't like scrolling for hours. We don't like printing things out. We want something that we can just open. We know what page it's on. We want to get it dirty. We want to write in it. We want to take notes. And I was like, you know what? I took it. I signed the contract. Actually, Rabbi Vladowitz and his wife were in Eretz Yisrael for like a quick trip. They actually came to my apartment May 2019. We signed the contract. The book was supposed to come out May 2020. And that was it. Like we signed the contract. They left the house. I got to work. And it must have been... I don't want to say uncomfortable, but it must have been unusual for you to then organize these recipes, come up with really the recipe for all these recipes, you don't right? Have to second guess your word choices, they are right <laughs> off. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> all right, I, I got a point that first of all, I should show the book for those who are not lucky enough to already have ordered it, and you're also showing it. Facebook.com/slash Nahum Siegel Network. Now, the people at 3M must love you. Because uh, as my wife and daughters have done, and this is not a this is not a this is not a social statement because I know there are plenty of men and sons that are going to appreciate the book as well. But in my home, it's the wife and daughters that are obsessed with you the have book. To see this. 
and, and, and these are the post-its that have been included. <laughs> and the reason. One second, one second, Malcolm. This is how we do things in peace, love, and character. And you need to smile with that book. <laughs> and the reason that these post-its okay. are here is because every one of them designates a page of a recipe that they feel must be made. They must try at some point, and I would bet, and this is why I alluded to our friends at 3M and posted, I would assume that tens of thousands of people around the world have books that look like this right now. That is, okay, that's only, that's one step below me seeing your book when it's filthy and covered in tomato sauce and ketchup <laughs> and mustard and all the other stuff. I want to see it with post-its, and then I want to see it in a year from now. When it is so dirty, you can barely read the words. All right. I have a feeling that this one is going to be just like that, as you described. Okay. Danielle, Danielle Renoff is with us. Peas, love, and carrots. Information at artscroll.com, artscroll.com. I mean, you, there, there are a lot of cookbooks out there. And you, frankly, have a lot of colleagues, some of whom actually work, with, actually work with Artscroll as well. You have a lot of colleagues in the world. And of, with you. And with us, correct. Uh, of course, we're referring to Naomi, who's our chief chef over here at NSN. Um, with that in mind, why is this book different? Why is this at the point where you could hit insane sale figures really quickly? What, what would you say this one's different from others out there? Not better. I'm saying different from others out there. Um, you know, I don't know because I don't really play that game in myself. You know, with myself, my husband always tells me, like, he, there's one mushal, like there's one parable that he really, really loves. And it's about these two store owners and they ha they're in the same business, but in different towns. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yep. And one of the store owners is very, very successful. And the other store owner is not. And he keeps going to his rub and asking for help and different people asking for help. Finally, one day he's like really broken. The store has no money and it's about to shut down. And he goes to his rub and he says, you know, this guy, he's in another town. So they're not competitors, but he says, this guy did this, so I did this. This guy did this, so I did this. Um, this guy did this, so I did it. He did it, so I did it. He did it, so I did it. And why is his store successful and mine is failing? And the rabbi says, because he's only running one store. You're running two stores. Right. He's he's concerned and, about one business. You're concerned about two businesses. And as far as Danielle Redolph is concerned, this is the only thing she's exactly. concerned with. <laughs> so I just like stay in my lane. I keep my head down. And I created a book that I wanted to use. I actually, for the year I was creating this book, did not open another cookbook. Wow. Did not open I did not want to see them. And I know other cookbook authors actually need that for inspiration. And a lot of people told me that, and I, I, I understand it, but I'm very, very visual. And I needed to be able to translate my vision and not have it fogged up by other people's visions. And when I first started, all of my amazing, wonderful friends and peers that have written books for Art Scroll, uh, you know, and just that are on Instagram were so supportive. The second they heard, Danielle, can we send you spreadsheets? Can we send you lists? Help you get organized? And they send me Wow. Everything. What a and community. So what a community. It is. It was amazing. And they were so generous and so kind. And I realized that I can't work like that. I hate computer work. I hate charts <laughs> and things like that. I need pencils and papers. And I went out and it took me like a month to realize that the system wasn't working for me. And, you know, because a cookbook is so many chapters and a computer screen's only this big and you can only see so many things at once. I needed to see everything at the exact same time. And I bought giant oak tags. And for the last year, until I handed my book in, in February, my apartment was covered in papers and post-its and oak tags. Did you share and any of that with your followers? Have they seen... I my community was with me on the whole process. <laughs> and I, you know, I crowdsourced information. I really, if, if you're going to spend $30 on a book, 
I really want to make sure it's the book that you want. And I really want to make sure it's user-friendly and it's, you know, it's simple and easy to use, but really filled with good content. And I really asked, I asked for help and everybody out there who was part of my community helped and gave their input. And that's why the book is so amazing. Uh, I don't think it's a testament to me. I think it's a testament to really the community. I'm told that the Culinary Hall of Fame would like to get their hands on those oak tags if they're still around, just letting you know that they're after those. <laughs> it is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NahumSiegel.com, and the NahumSiegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Danielle Renoff is with us, yes. My career is now complete, according to many, now that she's our guest on JM and the AM. The book is called Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook, and uh, it's brand new. Go to artscroll.com. Uh, those of you lucky enough to pre-order it, you're walking around with that the Peas, Love, and Carrots uh, tote bag, uh, and, uh, of course, enjoy the book. It is an amazing gift. Those of you who know people who like to cook or young people who are trying to get into cooking, it is an amazing gift and, and includes a lot more, Danielle Renoff, than just recipes. I have a list of some of the things that you have here. First of all, some incredible slogans about life and about cooking, some of them overlapping. You you felt that, I assume, that you had to live up uh, to this moniker of not just being a cook, a chef, but being somebody who really shares her life and thoughts with people, and that went into the cookbook. That's not typical for cookbooks, you know. Um, I didn't really think about it as living up to anything. It's just, it's the only way I know how to do it. You know, I, I'm like an extrovert and a connector and I like to connect to people and, you know, conversation and conversation starters and words is just, you know, as people, how we, how we do that. So putting all those words into the book was so natural. Right. So, but my point being that words of inspiration can be appropriate for a cookbook as you proved. They could be, yeah, yeah, why not? Uh, uh, people have pointed out that the uh, uh, the favorites page where you actually delineate <laughs> who in your family loves which recipe is a big help. When when a homemaker, a chef, when someone responsible, male or female, for the family's meals sees that you're telling them that your boys like a certain dish or your girls might like a certain dish or your husband may like a certain dish, that may guide them in terms of what their own family members may enjoy yeah you know it was really important to me to um, work my family into the book because they're such a huge part of what I do and I really wanted to create a special index section at the back of the book right unfortunately like we didn't have enough pages for me to do the amount of indexes I wanted to do but I really wanted the book to be user-friendly and I felt like just putting a list of recipes and page numbers in one place could really, really, really help people. And then my kids were like, well, you have to tell them that I like this one. You have to tell them that I like this. And I was like, you know what? You're right. By I the way, by the way, I went through the same thing, which I'll explain in a minute. But on this <laughs> on this page, page 430, it's family faves. And I think it's a great Shabbos afternoon activity with the family. I think <laughs> I think if someone mentions a recipe like brick roast salad, uh, I think the rest of the family could guess, is it the boys, is it the husband, or is it the girls who enjoy it? I think it's a great quiz quiz game for a Shabbos afternoon. What do you think You're of right. that? New game, peas, love, and carrots, <laughs> the, the, the Shabbos game. And I'm not even kidding, frankly. Now, you mentioned that your kids you know, insisted that you include in your book what their favorites were. I have people in my household who've been insisting for the last week, including at this past Shabbos' Shabbos table, that I include the information about what their favorites are. First of all, I must tell you, and I hope I have the right page here somewhere. I thought it 
Where's the page number? I thought someone had delineated for me exactly where to find this. Um, oh, here it is. Page, uh, page, hang on a second. Oh, we'll get to that. Okay, we'll get to that one in a moment. There's a lentil soup that you have that I enjoyed, courtesy of the amazing Stacy Siegel. I enjoyed both right before Tishabov and right after Tishabov. An incredible lentil soup. Thank you. You are very welcome. I actually love lentils very much, and I love lentil soup. And there are three lentil soups in the book. Actually. Three. So I had the there one. With, I had the one with the celery. Uh, you know which one I'm talking about. I don't remember the name of it. The, the spicy one. vegetable lentil soup. I don't. The, it's like yellowish in color. That's the one. The yellowish one. Yeah. Yes, that, that's the red lentil soup. And it was so done. Oh it was God. done very well, and it caused controversy in the Siegel home. Yes. Why? I'm telling because they were not sure based on your general recommendations if those lentils should be soaked in advance or not. Because you do not indicate it in that recipe. But the Because it doesn't need to be. If it needed to be, I would have said it. Right, but the general Siegel chefdom insisted that 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 the recipes that call for lentils are always better when soaked prior but i see this is i see this is a okay so the seagull home is correct (laughs) however it does not apply to red lentils got it because red lentils cook very very quickly and become mushy very quickly so you wouldn't want to start breaking them down before you're cooking them you want to give them a quick rinse you know to clean them off as you do with most grains but you definitely do not want to be soaking red lentils. Well, I think it's obvious. You see that this uh, this cookbook already has caused a stir and has brought up a lot of conversation. You know what they say, Danielle? As long as they're talking about it, it might be a conversation. My parents, my parents would say, well, she's been doing that since uh, 1986. So. There you go. I call your attention to page 242. Because this because this past Shabbat in the 1 p.m. hour in New York City, I enjoyed the sticky barbecue deli and onion salad. You call it an onion sandwich or salad. We had the salad. Now, I already I, – I have shortened it. I just call it sticky deli. I think my, okay. wife, my wife actually calls it sticky meat. I insisted on calling it I sticky. I feel like if we're on a nickname basis, we're good friends. So <laughs> I'm, go. I'm into it. I mean, you know, it's funny. You know, a novice like myself who knows nothing about cooking – Oh, there it is on Zoom and Facebook Live. Everybody could see the recipe. Um, a, a novice like myself really never understands how a new cookbook ever comes out because we just think everything's been done already. Like, what what recipe can you produce that we haven't seen somewhere else already? And then I try this one, and I guarantee you I never had anything like this before, and it was absolutely delicious. <laughs> it better become a regular staple at the Seagull Shabbos table. It's a very good one. You know what? I made it for my father one day last summer. It's kind of like... You know when you need to like feed your kids dinner, but right. you're not really not really into it. So one day I was like giving my kids turkey sandwiches, but I was like, I felt a drop quickly because like I actually had the five minutes to pull something off. So that's how this dish came about, and it's been like a staple in my home ever since. And now I call and now I call your attention to page 210 and I'll tell you why and I'm sorry I'm making this all about the Siegel family but you see that we spent 10 days together preparing for this conversation uh, if you go to page 210 for I am married over 30 years to an unbelievable gourmet chef Stacy Siegel anybody who's tasted the food she makes knows that and now thank God I have other people in the family my daughters who are amazing cooks but nobody's ever been able to be brave enough and they'll admit this and courageous enough to 
make what was for me in college years ago my favorite dish. Thank God for Danielle Redoff at page 210 <laughs> because now the Seagull women are courageous enough to make a chicken pot pie. I applaud you, Danielle Redoff. <laughs> And I'm so happy for the single women, and I'm so happy that I was able to bring that to them. And I do have to say this, and I, I like, I feel like it's weird to say this about your own recipe, but like, it really, like, you really chose a good one. It's really like, I stand by this one. Ellie will tell you that we really, you chose a good one. I appreciate that very much. And yeah. and and I must point out that, the, and, and and again, this is a, uh, this is something that became a. Uh, you know, a really uh, important uh, note to this conversation. Uh, I think you just alluded to it. Uh, it sounds, well, here's what my wife said. My wife said, you'll never believe this. Danielle Renoff's husband and you have the, ha- each have the same favorite food, and that's chicken pot yeah. pie. Would we say it again? Yeah, really? Would Ellie, would Ellie say that's his number one? So yeah. that's it. So that's it. So now I have suffered for three decades not being able <laughs> to have the homemade version. But now, because of you, finally, that void is going to be filled. How do you like that? <laughs> this is good. <laughs> Baruch Hashem. Uh, you see, you're bringing families together. And finally, again, making it all about the Siegel family preparation for this conversation. A very unusual thing, by the way, for an interview happening on JM and the AM. <laughs> Uh, even with the cookbook interviews we usually do, I, I take them in a completely different direction. Uh, but I did ask the Siegel ladies, what is the one of all these post-its, of all the things you've marked off, everything that you've done in uh, in preparation for your own culinary adventure with Danielle Renoff's cookbook, Peas, Love, and Carrots, which is the recipe that you are most anxious to make, the one that just looks like it's so delectable and so incredible, and the consensus was, if, Danielle, you turn to page 334, tomato soup with cheddar matzo balls oh, is something that sounds amazing. And once you read the recipe, it's something that I will anticipate will taste amazing. It actually, it is very delicious. It is very <laughs> delicious. So you you really do have the same taste buds as Ellie. I actually just released, like, Ellie decided over Shabbos, he's like, you know, there's a few recipes in this book that people are going to gloss over, either because they're too easy and they don't think they're worth it to try, or they are too intimidated by it because they think like, like, you know, Ellie's like, there's an exotic ingredient like artichoke, Um, or or it's too many steps that they don't realize it's worth it. So Ellie put together this whole list. And I posted it on Instagram, and you're literally picking off Ellie's list. Phenomenal. How many times have you made it? How many times have you made tomato soup with cheddar matzo balls? It's like it's something you I made. Think it, you... Uh, like, first, when I first started making it, I probably made it like once a week on Thursday nights. What a lucky guy he is. <laughs> and now I make it about like at least every other week because I, anyways, Thursday night, want to make the matzo ball mixture for my chicken soup. So yeah. I just double it. I have the matzo balls. And the tomato soup is so easy. It's, can I give the recipe here? Yeah, please, do, please, please do under one condition. Under one condition, yes. I me. I want to make a Nahum Siegel recommendation on this recipe. That if you to- that if you that for us white rice lovers, if you toss in some white rice into this oh, tomato. Ellie! Oh my gosh! Wait, <laughs> Ellie! White rice is my favorite food. I'm I am jealous. I am I am jealous of those from Sephardic background who can. I want to make a recommendation for the tomato soup. White rice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, 
one of the things I'm most jealous of is when I meet my Sephardic friends on Cholamoid Pesach and they tell me they had chicken and white rice for dinner. I can't do that. But not all Sephardim. I'm Moroccan and we don't eat rice on Ah, food. interesting. Okay, got but it. We don't eat rice all year, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But you, but you do, but you do accept my uh, my addendum. Go right ahead with the recipe. Oh, I I fully accept it and I support it because in fact, at least full of the cheddar mozzarella tomato soup always gets a scoop of white rice. Phenomenal. Um, so the recipe is actually really simple. You, I give you a recipe for matzo balls. You can get that in the book, or right. you can just use whatever matzo balls you're making. And then the tomato soup is so easy. You put a quarter cup of unsalted butter. You take a whole purple onion peeled. But you just like cut it in half or quarter it or whatever you want or just leave it. Throw it into the butter and five cloves of peeled garlic. That's it. Just throw it into the butter whole. You add one and a half teaspoons of kosher salt, one teaspoon of coarsely ground black pepper, and then three cans of tomato sauce. You're going to add that all to the pot and then you're going to fill each of the cans one time with water and one can two times. So four cans of water into the pot. You're going to bring it to a boil and that's it. Reduce it, let it simmer, cover it, let it cook for an hour for the flavors to come together. And then, because I have little kids, you know, who at the time wouldn't eat garlic or onions or things like pieces, you know, right. pieces could be anything. Um, I, you just scoop out the onion and the garlic because they're whole. They're very easy to take out. And then you just wrap them up, matzo balls in. Add a handful of cheddar cheese, you know, shredded cheddar cheese to your matzo ball mix. Drop them in. The, it's Cheese contains water. And basically what happens is that the cheese runs throughout the matzo balls. And the steam from when the water releases when it's boiling from the cheese actually causes the matzo ball to crack a little. And some of the tomato soup seeps into the inside Ooh. of the matzo ball. And then you bite into it, and it's so delicious and yummy. It's a, it's a good one, folks. I want to tell you something. That sounds phenomenal. Can't wait to have it. Danielle Renoff is with us. The book is called Peas, Love, and Carrots, uh, artsgirl.com for information. Final controversial point of this conversation. Oh, no. Um, I believe it was the lentil soup recipe that called for something called sumac, S-U-M-A-C. Am I right about that? Yes. Now, this is a, yes. this is a spice that, frankly, our Ashkenazi community is not very familiar with. You probably know that. Right. Uh, I wh- do. Uh, there, I have a chef who lives in our building, and when there was no sumac, my wife went to him and said, could I please you know, borrow some sumac? And he said, wow, sumac, why? She said, well, there's a recipe. And then, he goes, I guarantee you. This re- this sumac will be used for one recipe, and then it'll sit in your in your uh, uh, pantry for seven, eight, nine years. Now you're arguing that that's not the case; that there are other recipes. But I think he. I think you need to buy him a book. Ooh, because sumac is because sumac is in approximately what percentage of recipes in this book? Oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot. Here. I mean, is it significant? I'm say off the top of my mind, I could think of four. Oh, all right. So there are some things yeah. I had never. I mean, I had never heard sumac of it before. Is, you, but you do know what sumac is. I don't. I don't. You know when you're a little kid and you're walking and you see bushes with those tiny, tiny little pink berries? Sure. And we're, we're told they're poisonous. Don't eat them. They're right. beautiful. Like little tiny bowlies of pink berries. Right. That is sumac. So North American sumac is, in fact, poisonous. But sumac that grows in the Middle East is not poisonous and what they do is they take this berry which is delicious and tart and has a citricky um component to it and they dry it and grind it up and it is so insanely flavorful and delicious you know when i started um i didn't know that you know my mother's moroccan so i grew up with spices and things that were a little bit more quote unquote exotic for people 
And when I started my Instagram account, one of, in the very, very beginning, I posted a recipe for pickled onions with sumac. And nobody ever saw that anywhere. And I right. got, you know, I, I, I had very, like my, the community was small. It was a few hundred people at the time. It wasn't anything. But I got hundreds of messages. What's sumac? What's sumac? To the point that to this day, I have a, in my phone, you know, you could type in an auto response <laughs> to what's sumac. <laughs> That's great. So whenever I type the word sumac, the, the definition of like what sumac is, and I gave a list of recipes and applications <laughs> and what it tastes like. So, <laughs> because so. nobody ever heard of it. But now I think it is becoming more mainstream. And I know in America, Parag sells it in perfect lot. And if you've never tasted it, just, you know, stick your finger in it, you know, touch it to your tongue and taste it. And you'll see it almost tastes like powdered lemon with a little bit of a slightly florally earthy note to it and it's delicious so i'm not a clever journalist i'm like everybody else who had never heard of it before <laughs> and now discovering it because of you unbelievable it's called sumac everybody s-u-m-a-c by the way my my family did mention how amazing uh the dips in front of the uh cookbook are for a couple of reasons first of all dips are really right now in 2020 probably the yeah. the newest craze when it comes to serving a fancy and or Shabbos meal. Uh, people like to start the meal with dips. In fact, they're, they're actually now platters being sold where, you know, six to eight dips can be included on the platter, and it's a great start wow. to the meal. And you've done that at the beginning of your cookbook, very timely and, and really helpful. Um, so, so big kudos on that one. It's something I grew up with. That's very traditional in a Moroccan right. home. We start out the meal with fish, a lot of fresh salads, like not lettuce salads, like, Every vegetable is its own salad, a carrot salad, a kohlrabi salad, a celery salad, you know, different things like that, and tons of dips on the table, salad, quiet, and eggplant, and all different things, and it's like, it's really the best part of the meal. And, and you also have an amazing tips section, things that you think people should know or, you know, be, should be prerequisites before they walk into the kitchen. The only one that, that really caused a, a stir in the Seagull home was the recommendation that you must start peeling celery. And, and the seagull chef said, sorry, Danielle, that's one thing we're never going to do. <laughs> it's fine. This is what will happen. You come to Israel with your family, please, God. You eat at my house Friday night. <laughs> I will serve you peeled celery, and then you'll never again question my peeling of celery. <laughs> and that, that will be it. We don't need to argue about it. You just come to my house, and that will be the end of the conversation. I, admi no more I admire your confidence. It's fantastic. <laughs> Um, with your background, you, you mentioned Moroccan. We speak about one of the, and by the way, it was explained to us, and you could tell me if this is fact or myth. It was explained to us that the reason the cover of your book looks the way it does is you're trying to convey some type of combination of the Sephardic and Ashkenazic tradition. I mean, matzah ball, obviously, you know, just the visual of it denotes Ashkenaz and the soup that you have on the front on the front cover certainly has a lot of Moroccan slash Sephardic elements to it. And, and that's that, that, you know, symbiotic uh, relationship between the cultures is really important to you, it seems, but in all seriousness, and I could say this because I'm part of the Ashkenaz, you know, a brotherhood and sisterhood. Uh, is, is there anything of significance that we bring to the cooking table? <laughs> Because one one might think if someone is trying to combine Moroccan slash Sephardic and Ashkenazic cooking experiences, you know, I grew up in an Ashkenazic home. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you could say that we have that much influence on the variety of delicious cooking that's going on out there. How would you respond to that? 
Okay, so first of all, my father's Ashkenaz. So anybody that knows me knows I love my father very much. And uh, my father's actually a foodie. And he's, well, you know, what my mother did that was so great was that my mother brought her Moroccan culture, but my mother didn't reject my father's food culture. Nice. She didn't only cook the foods that her and her mother made. She actually learned to cook the foods that my father loved. So she learned how to make potato kugel and she learned how to make Ashkenazi chillins mm. and she learned how to make, you know, veal chops with duck sauce and she learned how to make, you know, like regular typical oh, we, fricassee. We do have some good foods, huh? We <laughs> do. You have Ashkenazi and have delicious food. Listen, there's a part of Ashkenazi food that I don't necessarily relate to. My mother didn't cook a lot of sweet foods. We didn't grow up with a lot of sweet food on the table. I don't necessarily understand why cranberry apple crisp is a side dish and not a dessert, but I'm not going to judge it. I just, I don't, you know, I don't understand it. Um, we didn't grow up with really kugels. My mother didn't make kugels. She made roasted vegetables. She did different things with vegetables. Our side dishes look different, but Ashkenazic Jews are really, let's say, like Eastern European Jews. And right. Eastern European Jews did really good things with potatoes and meat. And we have a lot to be grateful for. Like, you know, Yapsik is delicious. And potato if done kugel, right. If done right, it's amazing. Yeah, potato kugel is delicious. And really, schnitzel comes from Eastern Europe. So right. thank you for schnitzel. And uh, veal chops, hello, or breaded veal chops, yum. That's delicious. Like, so there is a, you know, I, and I really learned to love the best of both worlds and bring them together and they don't have to be separate. They can come together to create something even better. How'd you come up with the name Peas, Love and Carrots? I'm sure it goes back many years because that's your following. It, does. It, it happened in the middle of the night. I was trying to buy, an, uh, I was trying to create an Instagram account and in those days you had to have an email to have an Instagram account. Right. Uh, whatever I didn't have the email and I needed to create a new email. So I, like, I, I was like, okay, I guess I'll buy a domain name. It was like three in the morning. My husband was in America. I ended up, I'm like not technological at all. I promise you that my setting up Peace, Love and Carrots, the domain name costs more money than anybody ever spent on GoDaddy. <laughs> like, it does not make sense. I, I, I won't, I get, I'm getting texts from Ellie's like, well, what are these charges from GoDaddy? What is happening? How many websites are you buying? Oh, so you, so we could go to Peas Love and Carrots, Peas Love and oh Carrots. We could go, go to all of the versions of Peas Love and Carrots. <laughs> and I, the name I originally wanted was Taken. So, and literally, it was like I wasn't even upset. I was like, okay. And then, boom, popped into my head. I loved it. I went with it. I never looked back. Amazing. Um, the uh, you mentioned earlier about, or we were talking about the varieties that people can uh, uh, can make in terms of all the different foods and and. Obviously, I've been disproven that, that, that every recipe has already been published. Uh, but you, you, meant, you, you mentioned challah before. I didn't realize that a lot of people have challah recipes. A lot of people right, have a baking section, a dessert section, challah cake, Honestly, et it feels appropriate to me. If you're a Jewish girl and you have a Friday night meal and you're writing a cookbook, it, it makes sense that you would have your own. Every woman probably has their own version of a challah recipe if she makes right. it often enough. But I and be, what better way is there to start? a cookbook with the recipe that's a tribute to the one of the three mitzvahs we have. But what I point out is that the Moroccan Sudachli Shit Chala and the Rabbanit Toledano Chala, these are 
These are seriously stuffed challahs. I mean, you know, I've heard. I've, I'm being serious when I say I've heard and have enjoyed. You know, chocolate challah, raisin challah, different things in. Challah. I mean, these though are really seriously stuffed with a with a lot of stuff in there. <laughs> yes, yes. So the Moroccan Sudakshi challah probably predates the chocolate chip challah because it goes way, way back. Centuries, huh? Yeah, centuries. Um, and. You know, I think that if a woman was working hard to make dough, you know, she needed two chalas for Friday night, two right. chalas for lunch, and she needed two chalas for shalashudas, and she also needed food for shalashudas. Right. So what better way was there to serve shalashudas than stick the food right into the challah? Unbelievable. And it's, it's very delicious. What a what a way to eat a meal! Like you know, when people yeah. to, when people toss plenty of chicken and vegetables into their chicken soup, and essentially instead of a course, they've had an entire Shabbos meal. Exactly. <laughs> by, exactly. By doing that, uh, you also include some great desserts, a lot of side dishes, the dips we mentioned. I mean, soups galore. You must like making soup because you have varieties of of, of so many different soups here. I it, love soup very very much, and really, my goal with the book was just to include as many recipes as I can. I knew you were going to spend the typical amount of money, and I felt like I really wanted to make sure that it was a book that if you were giving me space on your shelf, it was worthy of the money and the space on your shelf, and that meant giving you as many recipes as I possibly could so that you could use this every night of the week for dinner. You could use it for Shabbos. You could use it for Yantif. You could cook it. use it if you're cooking just for yourself, for you and one other person, or for you and an entire party, for a holiday feast, for a cocktail party, for a small gathering, for a brunch. I really wanted it to be packed with everything you need. Book is called Peas, Love, and Carrots, the cookbook, Danielle Renoff. It's officially out for like a week, but it's been pre-ordered galore. No, not a, not a week. We're on day four. Not even a week. Uh, day not, four. Not even a week, and we're talking about tens day of... Five. Say it again? Day five. We're day five. Day five. We're talking, about, uh, we're talking about tens of thousands of copies that have already been sold. And, uh, and you know, it's funny... A couple of weeks ago, when when I started to really research and learn about Danielle Renoff, so I'm asking members of my family who, frankly, are obsessed with you, and I think that that's a fair way of putting it. It may sound it may sound bad, but I'm saying it in a really nice, kind way. Uh, reg- sounds so bad because I invited you over for a shot. So. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> I don't scare me. And my daughters are going to tag along. I can promise you that. Um, <laughs> So, so you know, now, now I'm getting it. I get the authenticity. I get the fact that you say what's on your mind. I get that you share a lot with your audience, even the oak tags that go up on the wall to prepare your book, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and I'm getting it. I, I started, I'm, I'm beginning to understand why tens of thousands have already taken advantage of the pre-order and why so many follow you on all the different social media platforms. And, and, and it's clear, based on the book and based on our conversation, that you have messages to share with this worldwide audience uh, that you feel are important, and the fact that, frankly, you're in Yerushalayim to me makes it even more significant. I think that you know, when when someone is there in Israel and in Jerusalem specifically, they have a a certain perspective on life, especially in these challenging times, uh, that often I believe uh, are lost on some of us in Chutzlar. It's personal opinion, but I think that that's a, a, an important uh, a factor. I don't know if you would say that you can't do this from Long Island. You probably could say you could, but I think there's something special about the fact that you're basing this all in the holy city. Is there anything anything you've ever thought of regarding that, or what do you think? Um, I don't specifically wake up every morning with the purpose of sharing a message. I wake up every morning, you know, with the purpose of sending my kids off to school. <laughs> Day-to-day <laughs> stuff. They don't make the bus. <laughs> um, but I feel very blessed to live in Jerusalem. I feel like I could not have done this anywhere else wow. but Yerushalayim because— wow. 
uh, this is where I'm meant to be. Thank God. Thank you. Um, and I don't have any specific message. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a Revitan. I'm not, I'm not different than anybody out there. I just have Baruch Hashem, a lot of Amuna, And I really think, you know, there's so much out there telling us that this is bad and we're wrong and we need to change and we need to do better. And I just think I get to talk to thousands of women every day, literally interact through messages and see them. And I don't know, every, I would say 99.9999999% of the messages are filled with beautiful conversation with nice people that want to be loved and want to give love and love Hashem and are looking to grow and work on themselves and be the best version of themselves. So I just think like, I wish I could show people what happens in my inbox because like, it's really, the world is amazing and there's so much good out there. I think that people who are familiar with this show and know that there's often a, a very serious uh, aspect to these conversations, even with all the fun we're having about the brand new book uh, and knowing your background and story um, many people know that, that you've had many challenges, including what some might regard as the ultimate challenge uh, from the one above for, for a mother. Uh, is there a special message or, or words of inspiration and encouragement that you give people who go through similar circumstances and might turn to you for a word about what you've learned through your past experiences? Um. I haven't really taken uh, the jump yet to learn speaking with other people that uh, have gone through what I went through after I went through what I went through. It's still very recent for me. Uh, we unfortunately lost our son a little over two years ago, and it's been a very difficult journey since then, personally. I'm not as it's interesting because um, I'm much more extroverted in general than my husband. And if for some reason, it's much easier for him to talk about his feelings around it than it is for me. Um, obviously, like for any parent, uh, you know, you bring a child into this world and you take care of it and you love it and having to, having to watch your child be buried is really an, a, a very, very, very difficult thing to go through. And it's an image that stays burned in your eyes forever. And you can't really ever get rid of it. And you also don't want to get rid of it because it's part of your son's life and you don't ever want to erase any part of that. Um, but the only thing I can say um, at this point is that it has been two and a half years. And throughout this journey, I have seen that I can get through anything and still love Hashem and still love his Torah and in fact feel more connected to Hashem and more connected to his Torah because I don't think that Hashem did this to me. I think Hashem did this and this is part of a master plan to bring Mashiach and you know I'm not sorry Menu and sorry Menu had the schluss of being told that her son was going to be a karma. Obviously like that's not something I could have handled. But I, w I went through this Nisayon and I came out of it and I'm here and I'm happy and I'm a good person and my children are good people and I'm a good mother and I wake up every morning and it's not something that I can erase or I can avoid thinking about, but it's something that I can think about and be happy with. 
And I think if somebody else is going through what I'm going through, that's the message is that, is that you can, you can be okay. You can be okay and not okay at the same time. You know, they always tell you that it's okay not to be okay, but it's also okay to not be okay and okay. You can be both and you can hold both. You have space for both. And you can be so sad that you went through something like that. And at the same time, so happy that you're sitting at lunch with your friends. And one doesn't negate the other. And I think that was for me, it took me two years to really learn that I could process so many feelings at the same time that were so contradictory, but we could do it. And that's part of the gift Hashem gave us as, you know, as people, as, as humans, is that we can, we can hold contradicting emotions and nothing negates them. Baruch Hashem, we're lucky. Danielle, I, uh, what you're willing to say uh, now I understand is a tremendous inspiration for a lot of people. Those words that you just uttered, for people who've been in any type of challenging situation are so important. And and now I get it. I see why people are so connected to you and why they're uh, curious about what's happening uh, in your own life and uh, just how sincere uh, your relationship both with God and with your audience is. And that's very, very much appreciated. And I thank you very much for sharing that with us. Uh, the book the book is called Peas, Love, and Carrots, everybody. It is uh, a comprehensive <laughs> guide to get you through any meal, any Shabbos, any Yantiv, I can guarantee that. I don't know if Danielle would be bold enough to guarantee it, but I can guarantee it, that's for sure. Uh, Artscroll.com for information. Again, go to Artscroll.com. Join the tens of thousands who already have done what my family members have done, have kept the people at Post-it in business by, by putting and marking hundreds of pages of recipes that they'd like to encounter in our kitchen and serve to the family. And I know that that's being duplicated around the world. By the way, is the book available in Israel? Are you hearing from people who are getting it? Yes, yes. The book is available around the world. Um, Due to COVID, unfortunately, shipping has been quite the difficulty. Um, Art Scroll is doing everything they can, literally, like everything they can. They're absorbing extra costs that they don't normally have to absorb to get this book to people. Uh, Amazon has had gotten plenty of books, Baruch Hashem, they sold out, but they are getting more and you can still order from them and they should be receiving their books early next week. Um, Israel received a shipment of books, but Baruch Hashem, those books are sold out. So Israel is receiving a second shipment of books early next week. Uh, Europe received books. They're receiving a second shipment early next week. The only two places that didn't receive their books yet um, from the original first shipment is Australia and South Africa, and that's because that gets shipped on a boat, not on air cargo. Right. And due to restrictions and things like that, it's just it's, it is taking a very long time. And I believe Australia is under a very strict lockdown, so I'm not exactly sure how that's going to work when it gets there. But we are working very, very hard to get them to those two places. And so, you know, if you want a book, we want you to have it. So they <laughs> they, have, they haven't spoken to you about uh, translating the book into Hebrew, have they? No. no. Oh. What an idea. (laughs) Have they spoken (laughs) have they spoken to you about a follow up book or that conversation hasn't happened yet? Right now it's right now it's one and done. All right. There you go. You're not, you're you know not, what? When I was a little girl, my father took me to Little League, and I really, I did not want to go. I did not, did not want to go. And they made me go, and um, it was like, I don't know, the bases were loaded, and I was like this tiny little kid, 
and I get up and they're like, okay, she's going to strike out. The game's going to be over. That's it. And they, I don't know, they threw the ball once or twice or something. And then I hit the ball and I got a grand slam <laughs> and everybody came home and my mother was so happy. And I'm like, that's it. I'm done. I'm never playing you're, again. You're, you're going out on top, basically. I, I never played again. I literally never played again. <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. I love that. Uh, peace, love, and carrots, everybody. I hope. You will. You, I hope you will find this a warm and inviting uh, surrounding that you'll join us again here on the NSN Network uh, in the future. It's been great having you. Thank you. I would love to come back. Thank you so much for having me. And please tell your wife and daughter so <laughs> I certainly will. Oh, and a couple of network notes having to do with Danielle. This will be repeated uh, in its entirety on our JM Rewind, which will be uh, – uh, exactly a week from now, 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning, plus, of course, Facebook.com slash Nahum Siegel Network, accessible forever. Uh, and in addition to that, a real chef um, uh, from the NSN Network, Miriam L. Wallach, will speak with Danielle Renoff at 10.30 a.m. live this coming uh, Thursday morning. Uh, that's, that might be a challenge for you. She knows her way around the kitchen, so good luck with that, Danielle. I feel like we just spoke for a really long time. I don't know why you're still questioning <laughs> You're right. I, I should have learned my lesson, right? <laughs> you're, you're 100% correct, but it's much more dramatic for the audience when I use my approach. Trust me. <laughs> Continued good luck. And everyone go to artscroll.com and buy the book. Thank you for having me. And, re and regards to Jerusalem, and thank you for being here. Absolutely. Danielle Renolf, everybody. Peas, love, and carrots. Pretty amazing. We salute her and encourage everybody to get the book. Go to artscroll.com. Again, uh, go to artscroll.com. And enjoy. Plenty more coming up on a Tuesday if you keep it here at JM in the AM. That was my conversation with Danielle Renoff, author of Peas, Love, and Carrots. Go to artscroll.com for all the details. Thanks so much for joining us. Stay tuned. Plenty more coming up right here on the Nahum Siegel Network.